0: we have a very strong integration around APIs and mm-hmm. leveraging the partner ecosystem. So for a lot of prospects and for a lot of the audience out there that are looking at, yeah, well, Unity Catalog, that's great for a lakehouse when you've been able to centralize those aspects of data sets. Yeah. But what about all of the other, you know, cause Nathan, you're talking about, you know, distributed critical sprawling data sets. I've got, you know, a wide ranging set of that. How do I provide governance on that? and that's where our strong investment in the partner ecosystem and our strong integration with other enterprise governance tooling that organizations and customers may have we fully integrate with those from an API perspective and so that's where we see the future going is being able to drive enterprise-grade governance in a really unified way.
1: We're coming to Sydney Join us in person at the Hyatt Regency Hotel on Sussex Street for our Sydney edition of Advancing AI on August 30th. And then it's followed by our inaugural Data Engineering Summit on August 31st. We've had an outstanding amount of support from the community, from the speakers, from everyone, essentially. So we want to say a huge thank you to everyone. The tickets are still on sale. It's almost sold out. It's an outstanding two events that are back to back. So please come along. There'll be heaps of networking opportunities with roundtables, networking drinks on both days. And also, there is a Women in Data Engineering lunch on August 31st very special event that we have as part of these conferences. Check out the website on the show notes for more details. And for Advancing AI in Sydney and Data Engineering in Sydney, please mark August 30th and 31st in your diary and hope to see you there very shortly. I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, they're experts at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work, project focus data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from first-hand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au Hi, and welcome to Data Futurology. Today we have a super interesting topic and an extra special guest. Uh, we're going to be discovering the habits of effective data-driven teams. And for this, we have Nathan Steiner. He's the director of field engineering for ANZ at Databricks. Nathan, welcome to the show. How are you going today, mate?
0: Felipe, thank you for having me first and foremost, but it's a warm, sunny day, which is a uh, nice change from what it's been like over the last three or four weeks with lots of rain and water. So no complaints from me. It's a it's a great day.
1: Great. Great to hear. Thank you so much uh, for making the time, for coming on the show. Super keen to pick your brain on all things around data-driven teams, how to become more effective, what's happening in the market, and what's coming up next. I'm always fascinated when I when I speak to you, uh, and especially around these uh, these topics. But before we jump in, could you um, tell us a little bit about your your role and your remit at the moment, and uh, and introduce uh, Databricks for the for the people that may not know the company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, thanks again Felipe for having me on having me on your show and podcast. I'm really looking forward to the engaging discussion and please feel free to take it in any direction because, you know, I want to make this as engaging and insightful for the audience as possible. But a little bit about myself. 27 years in in ICT. Um, Had a number of different roles from, you know, a customer consumer perspective. Uh, My pedigree is health informatics background and applied science and did a lot of work, um, you know, back in the day around uh, health, uh, financial services, systems integrators, spent a lot of time at IBM, moving into, you know, the software vendor world. Uh, around data protection, virtualization, security, identity, and access management, a very, very broad set, all underpinned with data, of course, and now more recently running field engineering uh, for Australia and New Zealand for Databricks. When we look at Databricks as a a company, simple, open, multi-cloud platform that's really driven and passionate towards democratizing AI and ML and putting it in the hands of consumers, citizens, and customers. We really truly believe that data underpins the future in everything that we do across every vertical. I'm more than happy to talk about all of the challenges and impacts that we work with our customers and partners on across every single organisation as it relates to data. And it's digital transformation that's driving that. And so one of my core remits is to focus on the pre-sales, the technical pre-sale side of the business with respect to Databricks, that is driving, building and scaling out a world-class high-performance team around data, AI, and ML as it relates to our Databricks platform. We break down a lot of the challenges of business and translate them into technical solutions and outcomes for our customers and our partners. And we also drive a lot of thought leadership into the space. So we're very, very focused on the what's next as well as it relates to organizations and the challenges that they have. So if we were looking at three hats that my team wears, it's those three things
1: fantastic thank you so much mate so maybe the the challenges is a it's a good place to start um where where do you see the 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 challenges at the moment that that people are faced with um yeah, let's let's start there and then we can we can jump in
0: yeah, and I think it's always worth level setting um, as humans and organisational context and where we are, you know, as an industry as it relates to what we live and breathe every day as humans, consumers, citizens, customers inside every organisation. I think, you know, we we started in those very, um, you know, early days when IT was introduced into, into the um, landscape around, you know, high aspects of compute and application architectures being done right on the edge in a client server context we saw virtualization era really change the game around being able to you know drive high compute in a in a virtualized way with on-prem infrastructure and then we saw it move into the cloud and we saw this massive expansion of cloud-based services that could drive high scale high elasticity real democratization of how customers and citizens and consumers were to leverage cloud-based services, all underpinned, of course, with data. As soon as we moved into the virtualization into the cloud era, we saw vast amounts, even from a a technical perspective with Moore's law and, and CPU compute being able to drive highly distributed processing, large sets of data, that then moved into the realm of cloud, and we started to look at then enterprise data warehouses and and looking at very very large repositories of information data, and what we could be doing with it to drive insights. And so you started to see the the um, you know birth of Tableaus, Power BI's, um, WebSphere, Crystal Reports, just a whole range of reporting and analysis that could drive real insights into into data when you then move into the cloud construct being able to then move in lockstep with organizations you had the internet of things being able to push telemetry into every single device and capture structured unstructured and semi-structured data sets in very very fast amounts what you needed to do is then process it very quickly so that you can increase the time to value that organizations could drive out of their out of their organizations. So if there's you know two things that we see, three things that we see being driven as challenges with organizations at, at the highest level, and we'll talk about data, it's digital transformation. We see organizations going on this digital transformation journey. And it's because traditional organizations have been disrupted by, by digital companies. We hear of Ubers, Netflix, Teslas of the world, um, You know, especially on the first two, Facebook um, and, and Netflix, they didn't actually own content. Ubers, they didn't actually own assets with respect to transportation. They completely disrupted traditional markets. And how did they do it? They did it through software. They did it through data. And that has become the the IP and the digital asset of organizations that is so valuable now to every single um, organization, irrespective of the vertical that they're in. And I think what that has done is really catapulted and created a focus for um, what organizations are looking at now around data. And how critical it is to their organizations. You'll often hear our CEO talk about software eating, um, you know, eating the world. AI eating the world. We are, you know, very much on that early precipice of the value that it can continue to bring to organizations. And that's where we are. That's where we are. We, that's where we are today in helping our customers solve those challenges.
1: That's awesome. That is fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for that. And um, I. I've been really impressed by the, um, how, how broad the, um, the, I guess the remit or the challenges that Databricks is choosing to to tackle. Um, um, and from my perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you started, the, or the, the platform uh, started more on the data, data science, AI ML side, uh, which is still very strong at that point and, and has moved very well into, into MLOps and productionization, monitoring, et cetera. But in the last couple of years, you've added sort of functionality on with Delta Lake on on a cross between, you know, um, sort of like uh, uh, data warehouse, uh, uh, data lake. It's something that you can hold and store your data. Um, how how did you see that development internally? What type of uh, customer requests or, or challenges in the market were you responding to by by making that move?
0: Mm, I think if we, you know, and for the audience that may not be, you know, aware of the DataBricks um, history, and it's a very young history, um, you know, we've we've come to the market in a very fast way. But if we just take one step back and, and look at um, the the underlying core DNA of the DataBricks platform, really, it was born out of Apache Spark. Being able to change the game with an open source distributed processing platform that could leverage all of the benefits that cloud can provide around being able to do highly elastic, highly scalable distributed compute and processing from a a data and compute perspective and making it open source. I think when we look at today's industry and we look at adoption, a lot of it is always built and built off the back of open source and putting it into a development first philosophy. When you combine that with the cloud, that's Mm. what really drove and set giving developers the ability to to drive flexibility and innovation in being able to leverage hundreds and thousands of clusters and compute resources across a highly distributed um, global set of data centers that is AWS, Azure, GCP in a multi-cloud way. Then when you look at the ability to process data and completely change the gaming in in the the way in which you can break down large data sets, split them into highly distributed compute platform resources across a vast amount of um, um, computing resources in the cloud, and then process them in parallel very quickly and then bring them all together again to produce output. What you then start to look at is the power of data. And that's where enterprise data warehouses and looking at the, strict, the um, traditional structured relational database management systems that typically were sitting on-prem, looking then at unstructured and semi-structured data sets your video your audio your text and typically one was existing in the cloud i.e structured uh, semi-structured and unstructured data sets in your data lakes and you had very large historical systems of record in enterprise data warehouses which were historically on-prem and the twain didn't meet however the power of data between the two sets were incredibly important to a business to bring them together and this is where you start to see data lakes, AI, machine learning, having a look at the power of being able to look at mature, predictive, what are the optics of my business into the future? How do I get more automated? How do I get more predictive with being able to make faster decisions? A lot of that is on the you know, right-hand side of that data maturity curve, which is around those data science use cases Combined with that, and equally important, are our historical systems of record and data sets that are sitting in structured relational database management systems. They've too got to get into the cloud as well and combine and be brought together. So, from a Datapricks perspective, we built the platform highly distributed, um, fast, strong being able to be highly optimised and flexible in an open source community to le- leverage it across verticals within a multi-cloud environment very, very fast and completely changed the game in which we delivered time to value of data processing. Then we started looking at the use cases. So you take into context data engineers, data analysts, AI machine learning and data scientists, and they were working on distributed, disparate, siloed data sets because they had functions within their their, um, job roles that were different. They were actually focused on different um, types of data. You had your data engineers focused on your um, uh, siloed and disparate EDW, Enterprise Data Warehousing Relational Database Structured Systems, and you had your data scientists looking at um, predominantly real-time data How do I get more predictive? How do I automate that? How do I make, you know, faster decisions and help the business make faster decisions? And so they were operating in in somewhat three siloed ways. You had your data engineers focusing on relational database systems. They would uh, provide access, timeliness, and quality to the data with those on-prem EDW data sets, serve it up to business analysts, data analysts that could then drive, the insights, the ad hoc reporting, you know, you look at it from a sales perspective and or a manufacturing perspective um, or a distribution perspective, you know, depending on the vertical that you're in and, you know, what what is my business doing from the last two quarters, last three quarters? More historical, helping you make forward-driven decisions, but more historical in terms of the data sets. On the right-hand side, you had your data scientists looking at real-time data, internet of things, telemetry, Um, you know, from an operating technology perspective in in manufacturing plants or mining or waste management and saying, well, okay, what is the real-time data telling us? And that's in the data lakes. The two have to be brought together now. They have to be brought together into, you know, what we drive as a construct being the lake house, structured, unstructured and semi-structured data sets all coming together so that they can be analysed on a single platform with the different resources Data engineers, data analysts, and data scientists, having them work much more collaboratively on the same underlying data sets using their own tooling—that's um, you know the most pragmatic and the most effective for those types of job roles—and being able to do it in a single, uniform platform.
1: Super, super interesting, man. Because uh, going back to what you're saying earlier is that. Um, a lot of the digital transformation of organizations comes from the increased expectation of consumers and the consumers definitely want uh, all of the information that a company or an organization has about them the consumer expect that expects that to be linked and to be leveraged uh, for personalization and, and better better service really um so that's that's what you're able to to provide with with the lake house which is phenomenal um and then at the, towards the end I wanted to ask if you could if you could expand on this you said that uh, the three different functions the the data engineers the analysts and the data scientists could interact with the lake house uh, using their own set of tools um how how does that um how does that play out for for the three different uh, personas
0: yeah absolutely so let's start off with data engineers because you know at the heart of building a um, simple, open, and multi-cloud, you know, AI, machine learning, data analytics platform, it really does all start with the data engineers. Um, when you look at the the most common challenges of enterprise, the, the most common challenges that organisations are facing around their enterprise data, the first one is around access. Data in the platform. What are the sources Data is growing, it's becoming more critical, it's sprawling. It exists in a vast set of structured and unstructured data sets and enterprise applications. To get it into a single enterprise data warehouse, it's where the data engineers come in, data modelling, data structuring data strategies what is going to underpin and provide the framework as it relates to governance as it relates to how are we going to model the data how are we going to clean it and curate it and make sure that we're meeting all of the different business requirements as it relates to that data that needs to you know move through and become valuable for the business so that other other tools Downstream can be leveraging it closer to the business. It all starts with the data engineers. And they're typically using different tools to ingest, to do, um, extract, transform, and load functions, to be able to look at the data management lifecycle. They're the ones that foundationally are making sure that all of the distributed, structured, relational database management systems and where it's all coming from, it needs to meet frameworks and policies and models that align to the business and the tools associated with ingesting with being able to create an ecosystem connectivity of getting the raw data into a platform that can be easily accessed in a timely manner as well as being reliable is really the function of the data engineer and Depending on the source systems, depending on that type of ecosystem, they're going to be using lots of different tools to be able to provide the the querying and the ingestion and the orchestration across the distributed data sets. Then you move into the data analysts. And they're the ones that start to move slightly closer to the business. They have a very good understanding of the business processes, the business functions. And even within organisations, you have many different business units. If you, you know, take, uh, for example, a financial services organisation, they will have operational risk. They'll have group operations. They'll have um, group offshore, business offshore processing. They will have retail banking, institutional banking, which is looking after the trade room floors. They all need to access the data that the data engineers have provided. They have different business goals and objectives in terms of the value that that data needs to bring. And so the analysts, the business analysts will be the ones, you know, looking at the data engineers and saying, well, I'm using Power BI or Tableau or DB SQL to be able to serve up uh, the data. In a report visualization, visual way that makes sense to my executive sponsors, to my CEOs, to my business owners, to those. This is where we start moving into that democratization aspect of how do you help convert the data into uh, and provide analysis to help the business make real, insightful, timely decisions. And so the business analysts are using different Um, reporting tools. They're using different tooling with which to model the data, get visualisation and access to their end users and and their business stakeholders to make quick, timely decisions. Then you start to move again. You start to move onto the right-hand side of the data maturity curve and you want to start getting more predictive. You want to start doing more modelling. You want to start looking at aspects of how AI and machine learning and data scientists can start driving even more value competitive advantage and that's where we start to look at that data maturity um, aspects of organizations that are doing it very very well the data scientists are using different tools altogether from a machine learning perspective you know whether it's you know looking at Kafka um, and the way in which um, streaming data is being fed, all of their different open source tooling. They could be using different libraries, different data sets, different programming languages which, which, with which to do different types of AI and ML modelling. Data scientists within different organisational verticals will be using different tools. And that's why, you know, you need to be very open and flexible depending on the organisation. Um, you know, you cannot lock in to a, single, you know, to a single set of tooling. There are different libraries that serve up different purposes and different values for different verticals. You might be in um, vaccine testing and genomics within health um, health organisations, that's different to the um, types of mining um, uh, machine learning platforms that you might, may want to use. And is different, again, where you're using more mathematical math lab or SPSS or more statistical actuarials for financial services. And so the data scientists are using their own tooling as well. Underpinned across all three of those is the core data, which is why moving it into a lake house and having that strategy of a lake house vision where you've got structured unstructured and semi-structured data sets sitting there in a bronze or raw silver curated gold modeled up allows all of those different roles, data engineers, data analysts, and data scientists to be able to use very flexibly all of their own tooling to be able to deliver the the, the requirements um, as part of their job to the business.
1: Great, great, mate. That is so exciting. That is so exciting. Um, I wanted to ask you if you could expand on the uh, democratization of AI and ML. Um, How does Databricks uh, look at that and what type of things have you been doing in, in that space?
0: Yeah, great question, Felipe. I think you touched upon it a little bit earlier. Um, when you started, you know, talking about consumers and and you know what their expectations are, and you touched a little bit about personalization. and I think, you know, it really does all start from you know June twenty seventh, two thousand and seven, and I think you know probably a lot of the audience will be saying June twenty seventh, two thousand and seven. What's the significance of that? Um, and and for those you know to to spruik the memories, it was the iPhone. It was Steve Jobs and, you know, delivering the iPhone. And, you know, we talk about democratization. He truly democratized um, user experience with the delivery of that device. When you start looking at the smartphone that changed the game in terms of expectations of citizens consumers and customers and the way in which they consumed data the way in which they consumed services unlocking the power of personalization and just what it meant pushing data further to the edge of that device and have a look at the data the the unstructured data that streams to that device every second of every day And when you look at, you know, the context of the internet of healthcare of things, when you look at, you know, financial services, you know, we have a particular, we have a particular um, customer, Goldman Sachs and being able to look at personalization and underwrite, you know, credit risk assessment frameworks where, you know, the issuing of credit and being able to, um, you know, issue Apple credit cards in less than five minutes by doing credit risk frameworks for a consumer such as yourself or myself um, to be able to do it from the iphone online and apply for that in less than five minutes that's where we talk about the democratization of, of ai and ml and the end user the end consumer doesn't see it they see it in the simplicity of consumption to get a service that they're asking for in that point in time they can go to that bank they can go online with their with their end user device and then they can can consume services that's personalization in the back end it's ai and ml doing the credit risk assessment frameworks of that particular individual and in less than 5 minutes issuing credit issuing a credit card the business value is customer experience the business value is being able to you know drive very impactful revenue growth to that organization in being able to give the consumer and customer a very good experience and then the third one look at the competitive advantage that that particular organization gets by being able to have ai and ml in the background And that is really the the easiest way that I hope was delivered to the audience in terms of what democratisation is. I think when we work in technology, um, you know, moving to cloud and moving to, you know, data engineering, data analysis and, you know, data science in the back end, the tools, the technology, it's not any less complex. We've moved it into the cloud. We're looking at how we consolidate and unify the ability for all of those different resources to leverage the tools that they need to fundamentally deliver a simplified, personalised, timely experience, whether you're a citizen consuming government, um, government services, whether you're a consumer around products and services, or whether you're a customer. And I think that that's the true power of democratization, the consumption and production of personalized information underpinned with data, analytics, AI, and ML. But we don't see it. It's all in the background. But the simplicity with which it's delivered is, is what we talk about in terms of democratization.
1: I love it. I love it, mate. That, that is outstanding. And to be able to, you know, help bring that, um that into reality um, across across so many verticals and so many industries, so many applications, that is extremely exciting. Um, I also wanted to ask you about uh you mentioned before governance. Um so I was hoping that we could we could uh, dive into that a little bit deeper and, and talk about how does um, governance come into play uh within within Databricks, within the Lake House and um, if you, can, if you can tell us a little bit about that side too, please.
0: Yeah, gr- great and, and incredibly important topic across every single vertical that we're, um, you know, we're helping um, deliver transformation to. Governance is typically tied up with regulatory and compliance requirements that applies differently to different organisations within different verticals. You've, you know, you've got, for example, within... Um, Health, you've got the Australian um, Information Protection and the Information Privacy Act that governs, you know, the medico-legal requirements around, you know, patient patient data you've then got you know within within australian financial services you've got apra regulations as an example then look at multinationals around gdpr and you know looking at that from a from a global european perspective the right to be forgotten and you know some of the um, you know some of the the compliance and governance requirements in managing data it's critical it's sprawling it's more distributed and disparate Governance becomes an incredibly important thing. I touched upon the challenges that enterprise data warehouses and data lakes, when one's doing relational um, database structured data sets, you're typically looking at access control, governance, and the way in which you manage that data, completely different to the way in which you manage unstructured, streaming, real-time data that's sitting in, you know, files, audio, text, and how do you unify that? I think, you know, when you bring it into the lakehouse um, strategy, you need to have a way that delivers uniform and unified governance. And the way in which Databricks is tackling that and approaching that is when you bring structured, unstructured and semi-structured data sets into a lake house, um, we, are, we are bringing to market the concept of unity catalogue. And unity catalogue is, you know, what we believe will underpin The way in which you get uniform, centralised, but also fine-grained granular access and governance control over those different data sets. So the way in which you approach um, governance from a Databricks perspective using Unity Catalog is that you can get a centralised way to be able to do auditing, to be able to do data lineage, the ability to do fine-grained access control, whether that data set is structured and relational or unstructured and semi-structured in the form of files and texts and you can do it or, or images or audio and the way in which you do it is in a centralized uniform way data lineage is really being able to provide for government governance where's the data coming from when we look at raw into silver into gold and how it's being served where are you know the files the rows the columns we have a particular customer, that has 500,000 subscribers delivering um, all sorts of food distribution, we process 18 billion rows of data, both unstructured and semi-structured, leveraging unified governance in that that particular way. We've made a lot of announcements to market, um, particularly around auditing, fine-grained access control, data lineage. And, um, you know, there's more to come, but we see that as the fundamental future in which we provide governance. What I'd also like to add into that is that, you know, we have a very strong integration around APIs and Mm -hmm. leveraging the partner ecosystem so for a lot of prospects and for a lot of the audience out there that are looking at yeah well unity catalog that's great for a lake house when you've been able to centralize those aspects of data sets but what about all of the other you know because nathan you're talking about you know distributed critical sprawling data sets I've got, you know, a wide-ranging set of that. How do I provide governance on that? And that's where our strong investment in the partner ecosystem and our strong integration with other enterprise governance tooling that organisations and customers may have, we fully integrate with those from an API perspective. And so that's where we see the future going, is being able to drive enterprise-grade governance in a really unified way.
1: Outstanding, man. That is... Um as you said, like a critical component of uh, the the data and analytics um industry and and the way that you guys have been able to make it so much easier um, that is extremely powerful um I had I had a topic uh, I know that we're running short on time, but I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about um your perspective on on skills in this area and that there's there's a um, a little talk uh, about a skills shortage. It's a pain that you know hiring managers feel every day. I definitely do as well. Um, it's hard to find talent in this space. Um, how do you guys see that area?
0: Felipe, it sort of touches and I wanted to stop short around, you know, you know, sometimes when we look at transformation and we look at operationalization and we look at, you know, the value that we can extract from technology and the power that it brings to organizations, you know, having been in technology and IT and gone through a number of the eras from an infrastructure, virtualization, cloud data perspective, um, you know, I'm absolutely well aware on the challenges of driving transformation, the tr- the challenges of driving change and operationalizing, Mapping that into the digital and data era that we have today and the power of um, data science and analytics and, and looking at engineering and, and the like, you're absolutely right. When we look at every single vertical within technology, we absolutely have a skills shortage. There is no doubt about that. It is the number one challenge um, around risk that organisations and CEOs um, tell me, tell the industry, tell you every single day. How do I get the skills that are able to do this? And when you're driving change and there's a paradigm change as it relates to data transformation and the the digital era, one of the things that we've learnt from looking at previous cycles of transformation is it takes time. You need to focus on who's done it well before, and you also need to have a very strong, passionate focus on investment in delivering skills. So we talk about democratisation. One of the big approaches that we're driving from a skills perspective is training. You know, when when we talk about open. We are built on Apache Spark, and as part of the Linux Foundation is open source. We just made announcements at our Data and AI Summit around, you know, Delta Delta Lake 2.0 becoming completely open sourced. So all of the value that our open source community through Apache um, Apache Linux Foundation drive, we gather all of that, put it and innovate it, and then release it back into the community for further innovation That is also with our skills and training based approach is the amount of investment in APJ. We held a data training day where we had 2000 plus data engineers, data scientists and data analysts all learn the power of data engineering analysis and AI on a Databricks platform. And so when we talk about skills, you know, training and enablement and certification is a really big part of, you know, creating that that momentum around education and enablement because that is really the only way that you get it uh, get adoption in in democratizing is the ability to use it you have to put it in the hands of the developers and the business analysts and the data engineers and the data scientists and get them using educated on that platform so that they can develop reference architectures they can develop blueprints and then they can start implementing those and leveraging operationally with ease. The second part of it is our partner ecosystem. Okay. So incredibly important to your point where we're managing the risk for customers because part of democratisation is also, you know, how do I get it into the hands of a CEO in terms of machine learning? so it's it's you know quite easy for a data scientist that is a machine learning expert to be able to put together templates and pipelines and 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 develop machine learning models that in in an isolated way can drive value in what it could be to the business but how do i productionize it how do i operation make that operational how do i then move it one step further where a ceo can be saying well what does machine learning mean to me in relationship to how I need to run the business and what my KPIs uh, KPIs are, you know, uh, in terms of the board, my customers, my consumers, my citizens, uh, whatever the case may be. That is the true power of democratisation. And what we're doing there is in our partner ecosystem. So we're driving a lot of enablement, a lot of co-investment around skilling them up having them lead with Databricks bias and have the skills and capabilities to be able to deliver solutions underpinned with our platform um, to organisations of all shapes and sizes because democratisation across, you know, smaller organisations, they don't have the budgets to invest in very expensive resourcing and so how do they leverage the power of data? How do they leverage the part power of data maturity and being able to drive ins- insightful decisions? We we want to have them leverage it as a service, and you know that's where our partner ecosystem comes into play. So, you know, addressing the skill shortage in a number of different ways, uh, it's a big focus for us. We heavily invest um, in making sure that we can we can drive that out. Fantastic,
1: man, and yeah, that that focus on on openness and on making it simple, but also on training is so. Yeah, it's so so important. Um, and how do how do get uh, how do people get um, uh, certified on 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 Databricks, Or is there any any training that they could look at from that perspective?
0: Absolutely, we have a very mature um, a very mature training and certification program that depending on your role be it a data engineer a data scientist or a business analyst data analyst you know we have you know three core streams with which to to drive certification and um and training in and you know we have we have lots of different badges and it moves through a 101 201 301 401 um you know construct if you're a data engineer and you want to be a data engineer subject matter expert you can start off with lakehouse fundamentals through to associate through to being a professional and being absolutely expert if you want to do um data data analytics exactly the same type of path that's very much verticalized data science Exactly the same. If you want to do all of them, then you know, as a as a DataBricks Lakehouse Architect, whether you're fundamentals associate professional, you can also look at the whole gamut of 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 all three of them. Um, and it's at the moment, you know, we're driving all of that with a DataBricks investment. It's it's all free. We uh, we're very focused on as part of our drive to democratizing, making sure that it gets in the hands of everybody that wants wants to learn about it. Amazing. Amazing. That's
1: excellent to know um that that it's available, that it's accessible and, and free. That that is outstanding. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, last question I have for you. Well not a question, but um mm. you guys are coming to our conferences at the end of August. So August 30th and 31st, we had Advancing AI and then Data Engineering in Sydney. What can people expect from Databricks over those
0: couple of days? We have um, speaking sessions, you know, delivering thought leadership, but also giving... Um, all of the attendees and insight into not just what Databricks does, but also where we see the industry going and providing thought leadership, because it is a very, very large ecosystem out there. Also driving referenceability around, well, okay, you know, who is doing this very well? Where do we start off? How do I break down the problems? We've got a booth at Data Futurology, so we will have um, you know all of our Australian, New Zealand resources from a line of business perspective. Um, you know the best in the business from a solution architecture perspective, and field engineering sits within my team very proudly. So we'll have solution architects there. We will have account executives, marketing, uh, partner. Partner managers and representatives um, at Data Futurology. So it doesn't matter what you're looking for, whether it's helping manage delivery risk through a partner, whether it's help DataBricks helping you on where to start, um, giving you more insight into aspects of our future releases and capabilities as part of the platform, or um, you know, as a as a customer or prospect, you know, having a look at you know where where DataBricks can can kick it off, we we will be there helping.
1: Outstanding. Thank you so much, Nathan. This has been outstanding. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your experience, your perspectives. Excellent. Excellent. And it is the world that you guys are helping create. It's definitely the world that I want to live in. So thank you so much.
0: Felipe, again, thank you. Anytime. It's one of the things every day when you wake up, you're working with a different customer and a different organization and really helping them solve their challenges. And we're just so fortunate to be in this industry and helping organizations with these types of challenges. Super exciting. I love it. Thank you so much, mate. You have a great day. Thanks, Felipe. It's been great. That brings this
1: episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Datafuturology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.